The notes, you'll notice, are a little bit uh, more detailed uh, than usual. Uh, we may not get through everything, uh, but I want you to take these home and to look over them. It's a pretty condensed um, kind of sermon with lots of information. Today, I just want to review a little bit from last week. Uh, fasting, as we see in the Bible, there's three kinds. There is uh, a food fast, like when Jesus uh, fasted for 40 days before he was tempted uh, by Satan, and then uh, he was hungry. Um, but that helped build up his strength uh, to with, with, uh, withstand devil's temptations. There's a partial fast where, like Daniel, uh, he didn't eat meat. Um, so you can, par- you can fast from some foods or certain times of the day, but maybe not completely. And there's an absolute fast where you fast from food and liquid, which we cannot do for very long. Uh, it's not recommended, especially if you have health, health problems, but if Jesus is asking you to do that, then that might be something you're, you're being called to do. Um, oh man, not used to using my phone here, here, as you can tell. So there's three kinds of fasts, and um, I also want to. We didn't talk about this last week, but we've talked about this before. Uh, you know, we are saved by grace, and we are not saved by works. Jesus has done it all for us. We can't earn our salvation. Uh, but uh, because of that, some people believe there's no need for any works or any effort at all, which is not biblical either. We see many times um, in Paul's letters when he's encouraging his churches to work and to strive and to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And he says, I, I beat my body and make it my slave. Right? He disciplines himself. So um, Dallas Willard has this phrase that is repeated often. You may have heard it before. But grace is not opposed. Um, you got to better get this right. I have to think ahead. Grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is not opposed to work. Works. Grace is opposed to earning. We cannot earn our salvation. But there's still work. There's effort that we put into becoming more Christ-like. And with the Holy Spirit inside of us, it is through the power of the Holy Spirit that we are transformed. But there are things we can do. And so these disciplines that have been used, uh, memorizing scripture, meditating on scripture, uh, practicing solitude, fasting. These are just some of the spiritual disciplines that have been very influential in many people's lives all throughout church history. And so we're talking about one of these, fasting. So it is not to gain our salvation, but we need to be putting a little effort in uh, to our relationship with Jesus Christ, and fasting is one of these. So it's just a quick um, review. What does fasting do? Fasting, number one, this is the main message, I guess. Fasting makes you hungry for Jesus. Who is Jesus? He is the bread of life. So if your soul is satisfied with um, other things, other minor things, and you fill your soul with these things, you're you're not going to be hungry for the real thing. You won't be hungry for for Jesus, for example. Um, Maybe you do. Maybe you don't, and you come home from work, or you come home from your day, and supper or dinner is going to be ready in 45 minutes. You know, I go to the cupboard, and, you know, crackers or like, or whatever, or um, you know, like chips, right? Do you do that? Do you snack before? And then, and then uh, my wife, I mean, sometimes I cook too, but uh, she makes great meals and is well-balanced. And I've just picked out on chips 45 minutes before. So guess what? I'm not hungry for the real stuff. I'm not hungry for the good food. And so it's the same. If we fill our souls with these other minor appetites, things that are distracting to us, then then we're not hungry for Jesus. 
anymore. And there are so many things that clamor for our souls and, and try to, um, to fill us up. So fasting helps us get on the right track. It makes us hungrier than we are already for Jesus. Deuteronomy chapter 31. Some of these are in your notes, and some of these will be on the screen. It says, when I have brought, God has said, when I have brought his people into the land flowing with milk and honey, the land I promised on oath to their forefathers, and when they eat their fill and thrive, what will happen? Then they will turn to other gods and worship them, rejecting me and breaking my covenant because they are filled already. They don't have any other needs they feel uh, for that. So there's another verse here, Deuteronomy chapter 8. God sent them, uh, he kind of made them go on a fast, right? He put them on a food fast. And what was the purpose for that? Remember, they, they went into the desert and there wasn't any food and they were grumbling and complaining. And it says here, Deuteronomy chapter 8, it says, he humbled you, causing you to hunger. He made you hungry and then he fed you, feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known. Why did he do this? To teach you something. You are very familiar with these verses, I'm sure. To teach you, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That was the purpose of God putting them on this fast, to teach them. Because if they had filled themselves with other things, they would not be hungry for God anymore. Same with spiritual food. We are nourished physically by physical food. We have souls, and our souls are nourished through Jesus Christ, the bread of life. And so fasting helps us get us back on track, helps us be hungrier than we are already for Jesus, the real sustenance, our real food. Do you have, um, do you have a comfort food? Get this right in the mic. Anyone else? Ruffles, potato chips, is there comfort food? What is a comfort food? What do we use it for? To make us feel comfortable. To bring, to bring relief. Right? Maybe we're stressed. We feel anxious. We need to calm our nerves. So then I'm just going to you know, get some chips or chocolate or whatever it might be. I just, I just feel, it'll just help me. Maybe I just need to go to McDonald's. I love, you know, I have a sodium craving or something. Or I just think, we do that, right? We have comfort foods. Maybe you don't, but I do. And a comfort food is, brings us comfort. But guess what? That's not what God intended food to be used for. Food is not to bring us comfort and to fill the holes in our aching soul. It's not meant for that. But we use that to fill ourselves. What is it then? How are we to be nourished? Psalm 23, a verse that you're very familiar with. What is your comfort food? You don't have to answer that question, but I bet you have one. Sometimes it's not food. We're talking about food today, but sometimes you may have a comfort activity or uh, some other thing when um, maybe... Something made you angry or frustrated or some argument at work or something, and then you just you have a go-to. It might be something else, but in this case, we're talking about what is your uh, comfort food. Psalm, uh, Psalm 63, right? My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. 
Okay, with singing lips, thou will praise you. Here's another verse. Um, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's not saying you can find your food, you can find your drink that will fill you with hope or help to relieve your stress. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Okay, he comforts us in all our troubles. But just like snacking on potato chips before the main meal decreases our, our hunger, we don't end up eating good food because we ate at the wrong time. In the same way, uh, when we go to other things for comfort, we don't feel we need God anymore because we were just you know comfort temporarily for a short time. It brought us some joy instead of going to God, who he is the comfort uh, for all our troubles. So one thing the fasting does it helps to realign your priorities. It helps to make you hungrier for Jesus, recognizing that, you know what? We live on, we don't need um, food as much as we think we do. And our soul needs food way more than, our, than what we've been giving it. In your notes, you see there was a Psalm 23. I was going to say that, but we, you can see that. These passages teach us that God is our soul's source of comfort. God is our source of joy and hope, uh, but there's more. This might come across. I'm going to show you a verse in a, in a few minutes that will make sense to you, but there's more. When we go to other things, when we are not practicing this discipline regularly, when we are not hungry for Jesus, God might withdraw from us. Sounds harsh, doesn't it? But I'm going to show you a verse that proves that this is how God works in some, in some cases. Not only will we, if we feed on other things, not only will we not desire God anymore or have a passion for him, but God may um, with, remove himself from us. Let me just give you a short history of Satan. Satan uh, was existed a long time ago, and he wanted to be God. Right? He wanted to be just like God. So he was cast out of heaven, and, uh, and he fell uh, to the earth. And he tried to, um, he still is uh, not happy about that. And he, remember, he tried to get Jesus to worship him when Jesus was starting his ministry after his 40 days of fasting uh, in the desert. He wanted Jesus to worship him. He wants to be God. He failed. Right? Jesus withstood his temptations because Jesus didn't do anything wrong. And now... Satan directs his attention to God's people, right, to us. And he wants us to worship him. But he's pretty good, like he's pretty cunning. He's tricky. So it's not like saying, hey, worship me, because then we're going to be like, no, that's obvious. I'm not going to do that. But he has other tricks up his sleeves that he uses, and we end up worshiping him when we're not even aware. Remember Matthew chapter 4, verse 10. Uh, when, when Jesus was um, with Jesus was in the desert and Satan tried to get him to worship him, Jesus said, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. In other words, uh, another version says this, Serve God with single-heartedness, is what Jesus was saying. Serve him only. Serve him with single-heartedness. Uh, don't worship God and worship something else. 
I didn't know what Wes was going to say this morning, but he mentioned um, even the whole time while he's serving, right, and, and, um, and working in the church, and there's still other things in his life. It's possible, you know, to worship God and worship other things. That's very possible, and we do that uh, more than we think. When we're not worshiping God, we're worshiping Satan. We may not realize that. We think, oh, that's, you know, it's just this or that. Or, um, but Jesus said, no, you cannot worship God and, you know, worship other things. Worship God, single soul heart, single with single heart. An example is from 2 Kings chapter 17. God judged Israel uh, by sending this king, Shalmaneser of Assyria, to capture Samaria. What was God's, God's charge against his people? You have it in your notes, 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 41. God said, even while these people were worshiping the Lord, so that's a good thing, even while they were worshiping the Lord, they were serving their idols. So it's possible you can do both. Worshiping the Lord and serving their idols. Their idols, uh, maybe we think it's, it's very easy and obvious to see because they made them out of gold or bronze or wood, and you could, they, they were visual. The idols of our day, I mean, in some cultures, they're very visual. In our culture, they're not as obvious, but we have idols in our culture. Money and sex and power, among other things. These are some of the strongest idols, but because we don't label them as an idol, we don't think, oh, we're not worshiping. You know, we're still worshiping God only, but in reality, there is, it's not wholehearted, it's not single-heartedly, so it's possible you can be serving God and worshiping God, and also worshiping other idols, because these other things have demonic powers behind them. We see these statues. We talk, we, they talk about these statues in the Old Testament. We think, oh, it's just you know, cement or, or wood or whatever it is, not realizing that behind that is Satan getting people to worship things other than God, trying to get people to worship Satan. And when you're worshiping one thing and worshiping another thing, um, that's adultery. You're cheating. You're not being faithful to God. God is a jealous God. He wants our wholehearted, our single-hearted devotion. He wants us to worship him and him alone. And even though we can be serving God, we can be worshiping other people. And when that happens, when it has happened in history, God withdrew from his people. Why? Because he's jealous. He wants us to focus on him only. You can understand in a, a personal level, you know, if, if, you're, if you're married or if you've ever been in a relationship and it's an exclusive relationship, what if, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm loving my wife, but I'm also, you know, loving someone else. That you can't do, you can't have two wives like that. You, it doesn't work. And if you want to have them together, I think the best thing would for your like original wife is that you draw the line, say no, like to you, to me, or or you, I'm not sharing you with someone else. In the same way, God is, I'm not sharing you with all these other idols. You may not recognize them as idols, but I'm not sharing you. I'm a jealous God, and God wants our full attention. So, here, Hosea chapter five, verse six, for example, God says, when they go with their flocks and herds to seek the Lord, they won't find him. Why? Because he has withdrawn himself from them. It is possible that God will withdraw from us if we are not full 
on wholeheartedly worshiping him. If we're worshiping others as well, just like your wife or your spouse or your husband, like, you know what? I got to draw the line here. Sometimes God withdraws himself just to, and he lets us, we really, really, really want this. It's like, okay, if you really, really, really want that, I've already said no. If I try to direct you, give you all sorts of hints, plus it's written in the Bible, but if you really, really want that, he'll let you take it sometimes, and he'll withdraw. And sometimes the mess in our lives, sometimes it's just a natural outworking of our own stupid choices. And sometimes it could be, even in that situation, people will seek the Lord, but it's hard to find him. Do you know how that might work? It sounds, sounds harsh, but God is a jealous God, and um, it could happen. This is why fasting uh, is very important for us. You know, with food, we get temporary fixes. We get uh, filled, you know, momentarily, and I feel good about it. Um, but it doesn't last forever. Th- same things could be with uh, entertainment or whatever other choices we make. We might feel restless. We might feel anxious. So where do we go? I don't know what your go-to is. If it's not rippled potato chips, I don't know what it is. It could be other things. But it will fill you up temporarily, and then you're not going to be hungry for the good stuff. Stuff that's really good. And what happens if, if every single day I ate potato chips and didn't eat, you know, the well-balanced meal every day? I, you know, I'll be sick. You know, it's not good for my physical body. It's the same uh, with our spiritual body. We put a lot of effort, physical bodies, right? Diet plans and workout machines and, and things. And how much effort do we put into our taking care of our souls and our spiritual bodies? So fasting... One thing that fasting does for us is to make us hungrier than we already are for Jesus. Recognizing that I don't live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. So fasting isn't about just not doing something, just stopping. It's also about, right, because I butt on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So if, if we're just fasting, you know, like sometimes Sunday mornings I don't eat breakfast and I just come here and I'm not fasting, I just skipped breakfast, okay? But if you're going to skip lunch or you're going to skip a meal or you're going to give up on potato chips or you're not going to watch Netflix or whatever it is you're going to fast from, then turn that attention to God's words. Learn to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So if if we're not filling ourselves with the word of God when we're fasting, it's not really fasting, and you might as well just not do it. In Isaiah, as I read at the end of last week's um, passage, um, Isaiah says that God says this is what true fasting is. And he talks about uh, taking care of the poor and the widows and all these other things. So if we're just fasting and not doing anything, it's better just to stop fasting. It's a health diet is what you're doing. You're not really fasting for spiritual purposes. So um, there are lots of resources on our webpage. If you want to try this, try a partial fast over the next month, starting Wednesday for a month. We'll do this together, whoever wants to. There's ideas there. There's a, a starter kit um, there's um, this great 40 days visual journey through the life of Jesus. It's, it's, the, it's the Jesus movie, the Jesus film, uh, but cut up into 40 days. So you can watch like seven minutes a day. So maybe if you're skipping lunches or you're skipping breakfast or whatever you're doing or you're not watching Netflix, instead of that, why don't you, for example, here's a 40-day uh, devotional journey. You can go through the life of Jesus. Watch a seven-minute video and then um, answer these questions. Or you may- want to start a new reading plan. It's not just about not doing anything. So if you're 
if you're just skipping food, don't call that spiritual fasting. Right? That would be health dieting or something else. Let's fill our lives with other things, which is why we've added more prayer times uh, during, this, during this month. Just a review of uh, last week, to discerning your uh, partial fast. I think you've got questions in your notes. I'm not sure what your partial fast might be. Um, I'm encouraging you to do a partial fast rather than an absolute fast. If you've experienced, if you have, um, if you're used to this, then maybe you're ready for something a little more extreme. But why don't we decide on something that we can um, give up in order to focus more attention over the next month on Jesus and on his words. So uh, it could be fasting from, for example, I'm not going to eat potato chips for a month, or you're not going to drink coffee uh, for a month, or you're not going to do something. Uh, maybe you decide you'll do like one uh, 24-hour period once a week uh, without food. Uh, but then during your lunch times, when you normally would be eating, why don't you spend that time praying or meditating on God's word? Or if you're skipping supper, then spend that, like, fill it with something else. Here are some questions. What cravings, okay, have a hold on me? Oh, I don't even know. No, just kidding. What cravings have a hold on you? Okay, maybe that's something you need to consider. What would be truly liberating to leave behind? Can you imagine? You know, I would be so free. I know, I know some of you kids, um, you're on your phones a lot, but you know what? Adults, are on, we're on our phones a lot too. And you go to camp, right? Some of you go to Red Rock Bible Camp. Some go to Winkler. Some go to Beaver Creek. And, and I don't think you got your phones that week, do you? No. Do you miss them? Like you're swimming, right, and you're goofing around with friends and pillow fights or whatever. Some people realize that after a week of not having a phone, it's like, oh, that was really actually liberating. It might be liberating for you to give up some social media, perhaps. I don't know, just saying. But could you imagine? What cravings hold on you? What would be truly liberating to leave behind? Um, short of an addiction, okay, have I become dependent on a particular food, drink, substance, or activity? So I've noticed, uh, for me, um, it's hard to say dependent, you know, and addicted, but uh, I might have become dependent on um, watching like a Netflix sitcom right before closing my eyes to go to bed on my phone with my wireless earbuds in, maybe. Um, so that might be something that Jesus is asking me to give up. And maybe I could spend that time going over my day and praying for events that, that happened or how I felt. Or, or even listening to scripture, right, in my wireless earbuds on my, right? So what is it, though, for you? What, what have you become dependent on? Um, what would be something that would just be really, really challenging to give up for Lent? If someone said, um, why don't you give up this, and you're like, <gasps> do you have something like that? Yeah? I'm not saying that's what you need to give up, but, you know, maybe. These are just questions to guide you. You've got them uh, in your notes. But finally, the most important question is what is Jesus asking you to do, if anything? Would you pray and listen and say, Jesus, do you want me to, to try this out? What would you, um, I mean, you know what's best, right? So what are you asking of me, Jesus? Can you at least ask, that's all I want, just ask that question and listen. And if he's asking you to do something, then would you do it? Would you have the courage to go through with that and, and, and try that out? This is part of uh, listening to God, right? We have a conversation, relationship with him. All through scripture, we see him speaking to people and people pray. Sometimes we're just asking him to do things for us and sometimes we're, we're just listening. So would you listen to God? Jesus, what do you want? What are you asking me to do? 
that's the most important uh, question. Just at the end, uh, fasting survival tips. I want to um, go through some of these with you. Just some tips. These ones aren't online. Um, first one is celebrate the mini Easter's along the way. So traditionally, through church history, uh, Lent would began last week, um, Easter uh, Ash Wednesday, and it would go roughly six weeks up till Easter. And many people will fast or uh, do some spiritual discipline on that, focusing on that up to the resurrection of Jesus Christ when we celebrate that. But there's many Easter's along the way, right? What are those? Every Sunday. That's why we meet on Sundays, because that was the day that Jesus was resurrected. The church, uh, the, the early disciples used to meet on Saturdays, right? But then they said, let's celebrate Sunday. This is the day that Jesus came back to life. So every Sunday is like a little bit of a mini resurrection celebration. And so say you're going to fast from potato chips. Okay, then Sunday, you can eat them. Like celebrate. It's like you feel a little bit of joy. I'm looking forward to Sunday. I'm looking forward to that mini uh, resurrection day. Okay, so this is... This is uh, very normal in many traditions through church history. Easter, it doesn't count. Or Sundays don't count. It's like your day off. It's like the resurrection, right? when I'm not fasting anymore. So do something like that. Celebrate those times. It makes it a little bit easier, maybe just to get through the week, and then you can eat your potato chips or watch Netflix or something. Or you don't have to, but celebrate those mini Easter's, and then celebrate Sundays. As you remember, this is resurrection. This is why we meet on Sundays, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This might help you get through uh, your month. Another thing back up a second. Let failure be your teacher. What do I mean by that? Um, you may fail, uh, and it's okay. Like maybe two days in, you're like, oh, I can't stand it. I have to, you know, eat, drink coffee, or I have to, uh, you, you mess up, and you're like, I couldn't do it. I've done that before. I've tried to go, you know, for a long period of time, and I just couldn't do it. It's okay. Just uh, start again, you know, from that day. And if Remember, fasting, it's not about doing the fasting, right? As, as the Bible says, it's, it's about something more. So if, if you are, like, grumpy and, like, being all, like, greedy and everything because you're fasting from coffee, then stop. Like, that's not what it's about, okay? Like, it's better to be nice, okay, than to, like, fast from coffee for the sake of fasting from coffee. But if you mess up, then just start again. So maybe you'll, you'll go a few days, and then you end up going a little bit longer. It, it's, it's all right. So let failure your guide, and you might think, okay, you know what, it's, it's okay, not a big deal, let's start again. But if you fail after three days, don't give up for the rest of the month. Just go ahead again. But maybe your spouse is thinking, okay, you don't give up coffee, and you need to be considerate of that too. If it's just, maybe try that next time. But if it's just like making you miserable, that, that's not what fasting is about. Okay, so here's a few tips. One more. Remember, as I mentioned, you know, grace is it's not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. We're not earning our salvation. We're not earning anything. We're not trying to get something from God. We're hoping that by fasting, we learn to become hungrier for Jesus, okay, the bread of life. It's important to put work, to, to work and to put effort into our relationship with God. It's not opposed. So don't think, oh, I'm saved by grace, therefore I don't have to do anything. It takes discipline. You might feel obligated to do things sometimes. That, that's okay. That's not opposite of grace. Okay, you're, you're saved by Jesus Christ, uh, his blood. You're only by him. 
But now that you have been saved, now that you have been born again, now that you have the Spirit, Holy Spirit living inside, now you do some work a little bit. And God will help you. So just remember those few things. Well, I did get through it faster than I thought. I, thought I skipped more than I thought I would skip. But we're not done yet. Is Jesus asking you anything? Is he saying anything to you? What is Jesus asking of you? I just want to take some time. I want to close and ask Jesus to speak to us. And then would you just be quiet and take some time right now. If you want to write something down um, in your, on your sermon notes or on your phone where the sermon notes go, um, let's just take some time. Let's ask God. You know, Jesus, um, Jesus desires to have this kind of relationship with us. God is a communicative God. And so um, imagine, for example, for a minute, if you were God, Okay, and you desire this relationship with someone, and this person says, please speak to me. Like, what's God going to do? Like, no. He loves that. He desires that. So if we ask God to speak to us, chances are he's going to because he loves that kind of relationship. with. And we see that all throughout scriptures. But he always stoops to our level. That's why the incarnation happened. He stooped to our level to meet us where, where we are. Many years ago, I remember Michael Phelps. Um, he was just dominant, right, at the, at the Olympics. And it was like another gold medal, and then another gold medal, and another gold medal. Not the last Olympics, but the one before, right? And uh, I found out later uh, that during one of his races, um, as soon as he dove in, for some reason, his goggles filled up with water. And so he was basically blind. By the time, by the time he got to the, the first, whatever that's called, length, um, he couldn't see. And, but he flipped around, and then he went back and forth. Um, but he had trained very hard. He knew exactly how many strokes it took before it was time to you know, flip and then get off the wall. He didn't need to see anything. And he, he won by like, like right at the very end, he stretched out and he won. And it looked like he was doing that because he could see the wall. He couldn't. He was completely blind. The only way he could do that in that kind of a stressful situation is because he had been training himself for years and years, and he knew exactly what it took so that uh, when the darkness did come, when there were trials and tribulations, it was okay. He could breeze through it. Same thing with our spiritual disciplines. When You will suffer. You know that, right? Uh, sometimes you suffer um, because of things that are happening. It's not your control. Sometimes you choose suffering. There's two ways to, to suffer. And spiritual disciplines, like fasting, it might be a little bit of a suffering for you, but it's during those times when, when you're choosing it you learn things about who you are. You learn more about God. You become strengthened so that when these things do happen that you're not ready for, your soul has been nourished. Your soul, you're ready for it. So it's kind of like that. And some people say, Michael Phelps, he's kind of made for swimming. He's long and lanky. It's the proportion of, you know, how, like people get when they online, they're like measuring his arms and everything. And, and his feet are extra big, like they're like flippers. So it's not fair. It's like people, he's got flippers naturally. So they say he was kind of born to be a swimmer. So he's naturally, you know, that way. You're born to be in a relationship with God. It's just so, like, you're, it's going to happen. You're born to be communicating with him. God is a relational God, right? So if you want this, if you ask Jesus to speak to you, he's going to. God loves to do this. So kind of, you might think, oh, I'm not born that way. You're not born to be an Olympic swimmer, sure, but you are born to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's how he created us. So, so it'll happen. 
So let's, let me pray, and then I'd like to encourage you um, to uh, ask this question. What is Jesus asking? Jesus, what are you asking me? If something comes to mind, write it down uh, so you don't forget it. And then the worship team will come up after a few minutes. I'll give them a, I'll tap you on the shoulder or something. Uh, and then we'll finish with prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again that you are good. Thank you that, uh, you know, I, I read about other gods and they're angry or they are, uh, they're not really involved. Um, they're distant. And people always have to try to prove, you know, their worth and make you happy. Not you, but make their gods happy. But you're not like that. Thank you, God, that you are relational and that you are loving. Thank you that you stoop to our level and you speak to us where we're at. Thank you for becoming a human. I mean, that was a huge um, sacrifice. And Lord, I ask right now that you come and speak to us as individuals, speak to us as families. And you know, maybe there's something that you, you want. Maybe there's something you're asking of us. Would, would you answer? As we ask this question, our brothers and sisters here, please answer each and every one of us. We're going to ask you this question, and then we'll be quiet and listen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Go ahead and take a minute to ask Jesus the question, and then to listen in silence. <laughs> 